Hey guys, yeah, it's about 11.25. I've been here for about an hour now. Uh, this is my second attempt to do this raw review for Raw is 30 from last night. Uh, the reason I didn't do it earlier is because I was getting some breakfast. I was actually microwaving my second Jimmy Dean uh, uh, egg sausage croissant uh, sandwich, if you will, croissant sandwich uh, that I brought from home. And the reason I say second one because I ate one at home before I left. And when I got here, I microwaved one in the microwave, ate that along with some cornbread we got from my older sister the other day um, when, we were watch when we were at her house watching the divisional playoffs between the Niners and the Cowboys. But with that said, um, you might wonder, well, when do you start work, right? If you're already at work. I start at one, but the reason I'm here early, long story short, uh, just like I said yesterday, it's a whole bus situation to where for a majority of the time, the 11 o'clock bus that picks me up from Newman to go to Patterson is pretty much all right, even if it's down by a few moments. Uh, but the bus that I would be transferring to from Patterson to Turlock has always been an issue to where when I would show up in Patterson, it would already be gone, thus basically uh, screwing me and other passengers over. They would have to utilize it uh, to get from, you know, where we were coming from to Turlock, or at least, you know, places in that region. So, yeah. Um, it, so, yeah, I didn't want to take any chances, just like I did yesterday. And so today I came here early, and I'm just killing time before I clock in. But, again, that's not what I'm here to talk about. What I'm here to talk about is the 30th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. Because, yes, I did see Raw yesterday for the first time fully in a while. Okay, so, yeah, like I said, I watched Raw for the first time full on. You know, no, you know, turning it off or no going to the YouTube app and all that. Because, okay, well, I just wanted to see one segment or a few segments or whatever. No, I watched all the way through. The only thing I missed, but I, cut, I did catch up on it uh, on the YouTube app, on WWE's YouTube page, was Hulk Hogan. You know, his introduction and all that. And, you know, that's the only thing I missed. Um, everything else I did full, fully watch through um, and enjoy. I thought, I thought Raw is 30... Uh, Raw is triple X as they call it or Raw is XXX um, I thought it was good I thought it was very well done um, I am in agreement that the best one of the best moments on the show was the opening segment the tribal court the tr which was the trial of Sami Zayn now originally this was supposed to be an acknowledgement uh, ceremony for Roman Reigns with the entire uh, with the entire um, Awani, fa uh, 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 Awani family there. Uh, yeah, the entire uh, Awani family there. Unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond any of their control, that couldn't happen because certain members of the Awani family um, just couldn't make it out there for one reason or another. Uh, for example, Alpha and Sika, apparently, uh, the Wild Samoans, they were not ready to come out, or they were not prepared. Now, we don't know what the reasoning could be for that. We don't know if maybe, you know, they, you know, they, it was advised by doctors not to make the trip. You know, we're not really sure. Maybe, it, maybe the whole acknowledgement ceremony angle caught them off guard. I don't know. Or maybe it's because of the fact that they knew about it, but maybe they had to go and tell other members of the Awani family, hey, we've got this thing going on for Roman Reigns on Raw, um, and we're going to plan to, and we want to be there, but we also want you there, and if you don't go, we can't go, kind of deal. So I don't know if the other members of the family said, no, we don't want to do that because reasons or whatever. I don't, I don't know, but apparently Alpha and Sika were not ready to uh, go to the event. Again, I don't know what the reason behind uh, that was. Maybe we'll find out later on. Uh, Rikishi, uh, he was supposed to be there, but he was sick. 
we don't know if it's COVID or maybe the flu or whatever, but he was sick, so he couldn't travel. So because of that, and not because of what some people are suspecting, that being the rock not being penciled in, uh, despite what people may believe from Dave Meltzer and stuff, um, you know, rock not being rock not being able to be there wasn't the reason either. It was just all these other reasons that were beyond their control. But what they put in its place, what they put in its place, was actually pretty good. It was actually pretty good. Now, I watched JD from NY206's review. In, in a way, in a way, he kind of almost sounded like he gave a little bit, a tiny bit of credit to Vince, almost. Almost. Because what he was trying to speculate is, you know, the fact that, you know, this whole acknowledgement ceremony was supposed to originally happen on Raw, but because of, like I said, the reasonings that I mentioned it had to be changed, and the tiniest bit of credit that he gave Vince, potentially, was maybe it was Vince that when he heard about this gave Paul Levesque, Triple H, a call and said, hey, you know, what do we do here? This segment we want to do for Roman, or that you have planned for Roman, is pretty much not going to happen. What do we do? So maybe that's how the trial of Sami Zayn came about. I don't know. Uh, but again, that's just the teeniest bit of credit, teeny, teeny, teeny bit of credit that he'll give Vince because that was just, you know, in his way, mere speculation of why it was changed. Because it was changed over the weekend. It was changed over the weekend. And the reason they went with the trial, instead of maybe trying to do some kind of acknowledgement ceremony, is the fact that, you know, la um, last Friday on SmackDown, Sami Zayn's loyalty to the bloodline has, you know, had been, in, you know, was in question. It, had, it was and had been in question for a while. Ever since, um, basically, uh, more so it's been in question ever since the tag match on the last SmackDown of the new year. I mean, of 2022, I should say, between Reigns, Zayn, Owens, and Cena. So, you know, that was, you know, that was the, that's kind of where it really, you know, got kick-started into gear. Like, there were suspicions at first. And everything there was suspicions at first um, for the past, for at least I would say four or five four and a half five months of you know why Sami Zayn wanted to be part of this you know what's the deal and you know uh, the final SmackDown of 2022 in that match pretty much again was um, you know pretty much I, I guess you could say was the kickoff. To even now Roman being a little, you know, being more suspicious than even the Usos were, because Sammy was able to win over the Usos, in a sense was able to win over Solo a bit, but but everything else, you know, it's like you know nobody really knew why, you know, he wanted to be part of the group, you know, why you know he wanted to be part of the hottest thing in wrestling. And basically this trial was to see whether or not he was truly loyal. Whether or not he was with them or if he was somebody that was infiltrating them on behalf of Kevin Owens. Because this whole thing started, you know, when, uh, I guess you could say the seeds were planted, you know, ever since Owens helped the Usos retain their titles, what, like a couple months, about back in July, June, whenever that was. And he basically told them, Tell your tribal chief he owes me. So the seeds obviously were planted there. And some might say that the timing of that was kind of ironic because around that time, you know, a little afterwards, that's when we saw Sammy start to want to be part of the bloodline. So, so yeah, you know, obviously the seeds have been planted for some time. And now they're starting to really bore a lot of fruit because everything is starting to come a little full circle. It's starting to fully bloom into something that everybody has considered one of the best storylines within wrestling all across. Now, you know, I mean, and, and the fact that you have people like just Alex and even JD saying this is the best storyline in wrestling, basically in a way saying it's the, it's probably the best storyline that you know compared to anything AEW's done. A, 
you know, them saying that it's the best storyline in WWE and outside of anything AEW's done, it's, that's a huge compliment. That is a huge accomplishment and compliment to be given. And, uh, and to have. But yeah, the trial, the trial segment I thought was good. I mean, Paul Heyman, you know, uh, Paul Heyman getting showered ECW chance and then basically turning on them and saying ECW is dead and he wishes the same for Sami Zayn. You know, that is, that is masterful Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman right there, masterful Paul Heyman. And the fact that he had, a, he had the evidence that he showed. Like, okay, Sammy's running away when Drew McIntyre attacks the Usos. Um, Sammy Zayn celebrating after war games, you know, away from the bloodline. You know, you know, Sammy's doing this, Sammy's doing that. Basically pointing out all the evidence that would basically show you that, hey, this guy is not who he says he is. But then, on top of that though, to counteract that, you had Sami Zayn basically pleading his case. By saying, I don't have, my defense is I don't have a defense. Because he did say he had one plan, but after what Paul has just shown, he was like, what defense do I have against that? Because obviously that's not going to convince you otherwise that I'm on your side. And he basically said, look, my defense is I have no defense. Basically saying, hey, you want to annihilate me right now? Go ahead and annihilate me. Take me out. Take me out. Annihilate me. And Roman, feeling disrespectful, is like, he tells Solo, Solo, take him out. And then that's when, I think, was it Jimmy Uso, or Jay Uso, steps in and says, whoa, 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 tribal chief, no disrespect. But let me counter Paul Heyman's evidence what evidence of my own. And he shows the evidence that he has showing that, you know, you know, showing that, you know, despite what Paul Heyman had on hand, his evidence that counters that by saying, hey, yeah, Sammy may have done may have done everything that Paul seemingly said he's done or has shown that he's done, but look what I have to counter that. And it shows Sammy Zayn being in the production truck, you know, causing the, uh, the the music and the Titan Tron at the head of the table, Roman Reigns, to be played when he was really wasn't there. The fact that he's taking bullet after bullet, you know, time and time again uh, to help them out. It, you know, it was it was a good it was a it was a. I'm just taking something here. It was a masterful moment. It was a very masterful moment. And again, it's the kind of moment that reminds you of why you fell in love with Monday Night Raw in the first place. It really does. And Roman then gets up and says, I don't find you guilty, Sami Zayn, for now. And he tells him that the reason he doesn't find him guilty for now is because Jay that he says you should thank this guy because he bought you some time. And he tells him that the real final test for Sammy's loyalty is going to come at Royal Rumble. But between now and then, he doesn't want to see him. You know, he doesn't want to see him at live events. He doesn't want to see him on SmackDown. He wants him to go home and mentally get himself ready for the final test at the Royal Rumble. Now, what that final test could be, we don't know. You know, is that final test helping him retain the title over Kevin Owens? We don't know. Is that final test, you know, basically, you know, proving himself as a member of the bloodline by, you know, by not, you know, uh, allowing himself to win the Royal Rumble? We don't know. We don't know. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do on Saturday, but yeah, but yeah, I will agree, masterfully done, masterfully done on all ends of the spectrum here, masterfully done, I'm not going to deny that, and to follow that up, they had, a, they had the tag team title match between the Usos and Judgment Day being represented by Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest, and the match the first half of the match was good until the injury, or the injury angle, as they call it, um, 
you know, to uh, Jimmy Uso uh, with his leg. Basically, it's an in, in, basically it's an angle to make it to play into what's going on. And Adam Pierce comes out and he says, "Well, if he can't go anymore, you guys are going to have to forfeit your championships." And then Sammy steps in and says, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Jimmy may, may not be able to go, but I can." And Adam Pierce is like, "Okay, fine. I let." Judgment Day, do a substitution last week when Finn got hurt. I'm going to do the same for you guys. Let's continue the match. And after that, the second half of the match, as a lot of people pointed out, really, really picked up. It really picked up. And it was just a, just a great, I'll, I'll put it this way, it was just a great opening 30 to 45 minutes, in my opinion, of what made people fall in love with Monday Night Raw. And in the end, Sammy did prove, you know, his loyalty thus far by helping Jay retain the tag titles for him and his brother. And I love the fact that they would go back and forth between, you know, the match and Roman's locker room and him watching the match and seeing what's going on. Heck, they even went back and forth seeing, having Roman react to the fact that Sammy wanted to step in for Jimmy. So that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. And and basically, I love Roman's rea Roman's reaction, you know, to Paul Heyman. He he looks at Paul and he says, "He survived tonight." He, you know, he survived tonight. But then he looks at Paul and he goes, "Like, but wise man, I do not want to see this guy till Saturday. Am I clear?" And Heyman's like, "Anything you say, my trouble chief." So so yeah, great storytelling. I'm not going to deny that. But then we follow that up. Now, we do have some backstage segments and everything with Baron Corbin and JBL. They want to get into this poker game as exclusive. Godfather's there. Basically, it's the guy that, you know, reads off the list when, you know, of who's invited, you know, to be part of something. And if they're not, they can't get in. Well, JBL's like, well, let me speak with the person of the establishment. Maybe he can get us in. And he's like, okay, I can arrange that. And the door that Godfather knocks on is APA door. And out comes Ron Simmons, Farouk. You know, who greets JBL and everything. And JBL kind of explains the situation. Baron's like, hey, you know, you gotta let me in. And then he shows, but then Baron's like, well, wait a minute, maybe I could change your mind. And he shows him some money. And Ron's like, hey, we can make an exception here. We can make an exception. Come on in, come on in. So yeah, they had that segment with the some of the superstars and legends that were on, that was there, some of them that couldn't be on the show because, you know, they weren't booked, or because, of course, like with Johnny, Johnny Gagano, who was there, um, you know, they could, you know, they can't really compete just yet until these, you know, or I guess he can compete now, but he's not going to, you know, take a chance till at least Saturday. Um, anyway, they did that. Then we get a segment with L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight's in the ring. You know, he's basically talking about the legends there, talking about the pitch black match. You know, the pitch black match he's going to have a Bray Wyatt on Saturday. Talks about, like I say, the legends that are in attendance. Calls out any of the legends, you know, calling them out, saying, if you have any, you know, loins, you know, testicles, if you will, balls, whatever you want to call it, uh, in you or on you, come out and face me, fight me, and I'll give you guys all a preview of what I'll do to Bray Wyatt. Well, he gets a legend all right. He gets a legend that we probably knew was going to answer this kind of a call. The Dead Man. The Undertaker. And what happened is all of a sudden, you know, L.A. Knight's thinking, oh, nobody's going to show up. Then all of a sudden you hear gong, gong, gong. You hear the gong about four to five times and everything, where you have the arena go dark, you have the Titan Tron of the Undertaker, the Dead Man Undertaker show up with the moon and everything. Then, you know, like I said, you're hearing the gong going off several times and you see the flame shooting out, not once but twice, alongside the Titan Tron. And you're thinking, okay, Smoke's gonna start filling up the arena or the entranceway, he's gonna walk out, da da da, right? Like he normally would do. He normally would do. Not this time. Not this time. Because what happens is after, you know, about four or five gongs and two showings of the flames, you know, you know, 
uh, basically spewing up and everything. All of a sudden it transfers, all of a sudden it transitions to I am American Badass by Kid Rock. That's right. We got last night the return of American Badass Undertaker. Now we kind of saw that return, you know, a couple years ago when he, take, he took on AJ Styles at WrestleMania. You know, we kind of saw that return uh, to that gimmick with that match. Oh, that cinematic match. But yeah, this was uh, this was a surprise. I mean, the moment I read about it, because of course Monday Night Raw comes on at eight o'clock on the West Coast, so I don't see it live. So I have to watch it pre-recorded. But when I heard about it, I was like, "Huh? What?" You know, I couldn't believe it. So you know, I played the segment a couple of times when I was on the bus, you know, coming home. Then I played, then I watched the event itself. And it was good. It was a good, it was a good moment. You know, the fans at first were a little, I, I think what it was with the fans when they heard the music change, yeah, they were a little taken, taken off a bit. You know, like, they were like, wait a minute. You know, that sounds familiar. You know, that sounds familiar. And I think when they saw what it said on the Titantron, and you know, it said American Badass, they're like, oh, this and I think it started to click on them. Some in the audience started to get it, if not got it right away, like, oh shit, this is American Badass take. And, you know, again, it was, again, I think the transition from the gongs to the music, to that music really threw them off. But, yeah, it was a, it was a great moment. It was a, it was a great moment to see, to see, you know, and then you add that on with the fact that out comes Bray Wyatt after, you know, LA Knight being the heel, you know, basically backs off Undertaker and says, hey, I would make headlines with you saying that I sent the Undertaker to the Undertaker, basically to the Borg and all that, but he's going to give him a pass. That, unfortunately, didn't prevent him from being taken out during, you know, that segment because as he's basically walking up and gloating and all that, the lights go out again and you hear Bray Wyatt's new music hit and out comes Bray Wyatt. You know, you know out he comes because... L.A. Knight bumps into him, you know, basically bumps into him, if you will, walks backwards right into him, and L.A. Knight's like, oh, crap, and, you know, starts to try to get out of Dodge, if you will, he starts to try to get out of Dodge, and basically, he gets backed up into the, into the ring, back into the ring, and Undertaker ends up goozling him, if you will, and you're thinking, oh, here it comes, choke slammed in Tombstone, right? Nope. Bray Wyatt gets in there. Undertaker looks at him. He looks at Bray. Looks at him. Undertaker looks at Bray. Bray looks at, at Taker. And Taker then just, you know, <laughs> shoves. You know, uh, basically not sho well shoves throws. You know, uh, L.A. Knight over to Bray, and Bray catches him and hits him with Sister Abigail. And you know, then they have a stare off. Then Taker walks up to him, whispers something. And then leaves. And everybody, all the audience is chanting, holy, you know, holy, you know, because they know what's going on here. I mean, remember, in, they were in Philadelphia, a hardcore wrestling city. You know, probably the epicenter of IWC internet wrestling community. You know, fans and all that. So they kind of know potentially what's up. And what's up, apparently, is Undertaker passed the torch to Bray. Like, now it's basically saying, it's your time now. It's your time. And Corey Graves, I'll give him credit with you like the guy or not, he did acknowledge the past history between the two because they did face each other about a couple of times, you know, about, I think only once, you know, that at uh, WrestleMania, but, you know, Bray was the one that kind of started that situation uh, when he did. Um, anyway, anyway, long story short, just, just a tremendous, just a tremendous moment in all that. Um, you know, they cut back to the poker game, and you see DDP, Alondra Blaze, a.k.a. Medusa, you know, uh, Alpha Academy, you know, Corbin and JBL, and, and all that. Then, uh, we go and we get the DX segment, and what was funny about this is apparently they played it up like, okay, here comes DX, here comes Hunter, here comes Sean, here comes X-Pac, here comes Rogue Dog. 
And yet, unbeknownst to them, Kurt Angle is with them. And Kurt Angle is playing up his kind of semi-goofiness that he used to play up in the past. Because, you know, as Road Dogg's doing his introduction, all of a sudden he's like, well, what the hell are you doing here? Because usually, when he does his introduction, he's, you know, he you know, not only announces himself, but he announces Billy Gunn, right? Well, obviously, Triple H realized, well, I can't get Billy because of a certain, you know, t-shirt wearing, you know, piss-ant wearing, uh, t-shirt piss-ant wearing owner doesn't want to loan him over for anniversaries. So, what do I do? What do I do? And obviously, they came up with this segment. And again, you know, Goofy Kurt is probably one of the best Kurt's you're going to get. Basically saying he's always want to be part of DX, shows he has a DX shirt on and everything. And just as about to say, okay, fine, we're cool with that. We're cool with that. Like I said, just as, you know, the, you know, showing that, okay, you know, we're cool with that. We're cool with that. And everything. You know, and, you know, just as about to do the thing now with Kurt, you know, kind of as an alternate for Billy not being there, all of a sudden, Imperium's music hits. And out comes Da Vinci, Kaiser, and Gunther. And <laughs> again, this was a good moment. This is a great moment here because, you know, you have, you know, you have Gunther and Kaiser kind of being like, you know, you guys are being, dis- you guys are a disgrace, you know, to the, you know, to the sport, and we're trying to bring the sport, you know, bro, bring respect back to the sport, stuff like that. You know, the normal stick. And then Guther basically says, you know, well, not basically said, but Guther pretty much puts out the challenge of, like, which one of you wanna, would want to fight to kind of prove me wrong. And I, I swear to you, I swear to you, I, I, maybe it was me, but I guarantee I'm not the only one that probably thought this. The moment Hunter came eye to eye with him before he said, hey, dude, I'm retired, the moment he came eye to eye to him, it's like, if he was still able to go, if he was still able to go, basically, then that's the kind of match of take my money now, in my opinion. I, I, and I don't care what people say. I'm a Triple H fan. You know, I am a Triple H fan, and I'm glad he retired for his own health and safety and longevity. But to me, if he was still able to go, you know, one more time or a few more rounds, I'd say give me that match right now I say give me that match right now of Triple H versus Gunther Triple H I mean Triple H versus Walter I mean oh my gosh I mean they're talking about Lesnar and Walter maybe for Mania but it looks like they're going to Lashley Lashley Lesnar but to me Gunther Triple H whoo if he was still able to go yes give it to me give it to me same with Kurt Angle you know, same with Kurt Angle. Give it to us. Again, people were, I mean, everybody was like, okay, who's going to fight this guy? Who's going to fight Imperium? And everybody's chanting, you know, tri- everybody's popping for the Triple H stare down. Everybody's chanting for HBK. People are chanting for Kurt. I mean, again, if these guys can still go like they used to, whew. I'll I, I tell you, brother. i tell you right now. You would be selling out arenas across the fucking country and excuse my language god but you'd be selling arenas out you know across the fucking country with these kind of headline matches for live shows and stuff heck you'd be selling arena the uh, venues out for whatever pay-per-view premium live event you have you know you know just because of this just because of these kind of headline matches that's how good i mean that's how momentous this moment i should say and how good it was but, but anyway, they play it up in the usual DX stick. Hunter even has the lines like, why is everybody looking at me for? You know, why is always, everybody always looking at me? He says, this booking stuff isn't as easy as you think, you know, or something like that. Kind of thing. And when he said that, the, you know, the whole booking, you know, just, you know, isn't as easy. I think Alex mentioned that, you know, when he said that, there was, that the fans in the audience, or the people, in, you know, the people in attendance there at the Wells Fargo Center, which, by the way, was sold out to the rafters. It was packed. Uh, but basically, you know, <laughs> basically they were like, you know, just, you know, when Hunter said that, according to Alex, it's like, 
the mere thought of, oh my God, don't even scare us with the potential idea that Vince could step in. You know, you know th that moment was that moment was great. Just again, classic DX when it you know classic recent DX when it comes to this kind of stuff. And um, what happens is Seth Rollins comes out when they mention we need somebody, and out comes Seth. Then Xbox says something like, "Well, there's only one of him. There's three of these guys. Who else could step up?" Out comes the Street Profits, and then after that, out comes Teddy freaking Long. And he basically known for either putting somebody in a match with the Undertaker when he was SmackDown GM, or doing, or he was also mainly known outside of that for doing tag matches. And guess what he did? He did it. He said, "Let's make it a six-man man." And Triple H says, "Okay, fine, cool with that, but we need a referee." Kurt's like, "Hey, I got an idea." Takes off his uh, DX shirt, shows that he has a referee shirt on, or American. Uh, a red, white, and blue referee shirt on. And Triple H was like, okay, fine, cool, let's do it. And we had the six-man, and I thought it was a good six-man. I thought it was really good. Uh, everybody got a chance to shine in the match. Um, you, know, the, you know, the Street Profits, you know, just as, good as any, just as good as any tag team out there. I don't know if they've abandoned the idea to, you know, uh, split them up. I think maybe they have. I'm not really sure yet. But, you know, that's still as good as I think we can get, period. Um, you know, especially Montez Ford, when he does that frog splash, it's like, if you want to get high, very high when it comes to frog splashes outside of RVD, Montez Ford is your guy. But, anyway, yeah, it was a great matchup. And, um, you know, just, just a great six-man. And in the end... Um, Street Profits hit, you know, the finisher, basically the combo finisher with the frog splash, you know, by Montez, and then um, Rollins tags in and he hits the stomp for the win. And I like during the match that they all played tribute to those that were in the ring, including Kurt. I mean, the Street Profits, you know, locked up, you know, hit, uh, uh, I guess got both Da Vinci and Kaiser in with uh, ankle locks before Gunther broke that up. You know, um, Rollins hit Gunther with an angle slam and then a and then he followed that up with a pedigree later. So, yeah, they paid tribute to the guys that, you know, people would want to see in there with Imperium if they could still go by using their moves. And overall, it was a fun match. It was a fun match. Now, what's interesting about this, though, what's interesting about this, though, is Seth is a babyface now. And according to reports, eternal, internally, he's a babyface. How the heck are you going to play... How the heck are you going to get around that when Cody comes back and, on Saturday? How the heck are you going to get around that? Are you going to have Rollins, you know, go back to being a, a cowardly heel? Which, you know, wouldn't be hard for him to do. Or would you have them have a confrontation after, on the Raw after Rumble... And you have Rollins, you know, apologize in a way for what he did and basically acknowledge that, hey, you know, that, hey, you know, when I heard you were coming back or I heard rumors you were heading back, I was afraid. I was one of the guys that had a feeling they were going to lose the spot to you. So we don't know. How are you going to get around that? We shall see. We shall see. Um, they also, what else did they have? They had a lot going on in this 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 three hours and in fact they had so much going on it made the three hours fly by I mean I was like it was like I just started watching next thing I knew it was about 1030 <laughs> it's like whoa and once again they were planting seeds for, re for reuniting the Hurt Business with Bobby Lashley and MVP so that was cool they were planting the seeds for that once again and then and then you know, we had, uh, sorry about that guys, uh, this will be in two parts and then probably I'll be combining it later on when I get home tonight into one video and everything. Um, but anyway, like I said, uh, next thing we know, Ric Flair comes out, you know, Ric Flair comes out, uh, thanks to fans 
for you know making raw you know what it is today keeping it going keeping him going you know you know styling and profile and everything and then he brings out charlotte and charlotte comes out and everything the smackdown women's champion and she acknowledges that you know her evolution from you know being a diva and everything to being who she is now one of the greatest women's champions you know of all time she had to correct herself she kind of said something along the lines of one of the greatest champions of all time and then she corrected herself by saying one of the women's champions of all time or athletes something like that um anyway anyway she acknowledges she acknowledges her history on raw acknowledges that this is where uh, the women's revolution began you know which it did we cannot forget that and then states that even though she's on smackdown now as champion that raw will always be her home and then, of course, that brings out Bianca Belair. And Bianca, she doesn't get confrontational. She's actually complimentary. She's like, hey, you know, you do what you got to do, queen. You're cool. I'm all cool with that. But she also states, however, this is my show now. And uh, I'm the reason, you know, basically says this is my show oh, now. And I'm doing what I can to keep it going. Which, you know, Charlotte's cool with. Charlotte's like, okay, fine. That's cool with me. And then out comes Sonya Deville to continue her situation with Charlotte and even kind of rekindle a little bit of a rivalry with um, Bianca because they had something going last year. And Charlotte's like, you know what, Bianca? You know, since this is your show now, and I still owe her, you know, which basically means she's going to get back at her maybe on Friday. She says, why don't you do, do us the honors and take care of this? And Bianca... It's like, okay, okay. I mean, she's a little, like, a little hesitant, like, a little surprised, like, really? You know, but, you know, she shrugs it off, like, okay, no problem. If you want to get feisty, let's get feisty. You know, and Sonya's a little taken aback, but then we go to commercial, and we end up finding out that the match was made official during the break. And uh, even though it went, uh, even though it went one commercial afterwards and everything, Bianca does end up beating... Sonya Deville uh, with the KOD, the kiss of death. And then, and I'll give Sonya credit. Sonya actually has kind of shown improvement a little bit, despite what you might say about her. She showed a little bit more character. But yeah, um, like I said, Bianca wins. She gets on the mic then and says, hey, just because I dealt with Sonya here, don't think I forgot about Alexa Bliss. Don't think I forgot about her and everything. And don't think everything she's trying to intimidate me with is going to help her. And this, of course, you know, brings Alexa onto the screen. And she's basically talking to Bianca, saying, Look, how many times do I have to remind you, I'm the only thing you have to worry about. You know, as long as people leave me alone, you know, I'm the only person you have to worry about. And she's basically doing this by talking, you know, to Bianca by looking at herself in the mirror and then turning around in a chair. And then, you know, finishing her, her message to Bianca and everything. And, yeah, you know, that was it there. And it looks like a lot more build and intrigue to the match on Saturday. And whether or not we're going to get something, um, something interesting, like a title change or something, when that happens, we don't know. We don't really know. Uh, my personal opinion, uh, my personal opinion, I think... You know, Bianca is not going to lose the match. I don't think she will. If she does, you know, that would be a surprise. But I think she's destined, despite what people may say, I think she's destined to lose the title to Bailey. I think that's, I think that's the plan they're going with for her to lose the title to Bailey, probably at Elimination Chamber in the Chamber match itself. That's what I'm thinking. And that's what I'm thinking because if they have a babyface win at the Royal Rumble, win the women's Rumble match, then I could see that babyface challenging Bailey uh, for the title. I could see that. But yeah, basically, um, basically, you know, um, I, I, I don't see Bianca really losing, but I do see something else. And I was always thinking about this. I'm thinking, okay, she's acting a little bit more sinister and everything, but there's something off about the sinisterness. And it's something that really is kind of like, you know, gotten, you know, kind of like, I think gotten everybody thinking, like, you know, something's a little off here. 
you know, the way she acts. Because to me, it seems like it's very familiar. And what I think we're heading for, in my opinion, is the revelation that Alexa Bliss is just capitalizing on her history, using her, using her history and capitalizing it on it with Bray Wyatt to get an advantage over Bianca and to instill fear in the women's division on Raw. And then it will get revealed uh, eventually, either it's during the match or whenever, it's going to get revealed that in actuality, she's, gone, she's basically reverted back to the goddess character. You know, the one that you know, got her over as a heel and eventually as a face. She's basically reverted back to that. And all she's doing right now is using everything, like I said, her history with Bray Wyatt and such, to capitalize. Uh, to, you know, she's using it to capitalize on the opportunity that she's got on on Saturday. So I think that's what we're heading towards. I think we're getting, we're heading towards a revelation of the fact that she's reverted back to the goddess, basically someone that thinks she's above everybody else. So that's going to be interesting when we get to that point. Point if they do it. Um, um, after that, at, um, what else we have? Oh yeah, we had the main event. We have the no disqualification match for the United States title, Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory. Uh, it was a good match. It was a good, um, it was a good physical match between the two. There's, um, no denying that Austin Theory is definitely the future of the company. And that they have a lot of big plans for this guy. Um, not just this year, but in the years to come. Uh, but here he took... He, he did take a majority of the beating, but he was able to get some offense in. Which was, you know, really nice to see. Especially being able to power up, you know, Bobby Lashley for some of the moves. And everything that he would um, incorporate. And it looks like the bus I would take did arrive on time. <laughs> but I don't know know if it would have left before you know I got to Patterson I don't know uh, anyway anyway long story short like I said he got some offense in like I said showed the fact showed some power you know at the fact that he could lift Bobby Lashley up for uh, some of his moves and but in the end you know it just when it looks like Bobby is about to win by putting Austin to a table out comes Brock Lesnar and we had a feeling this was going to happen when Bobby alluded to Brock earlier in his interview uh, before MVP uh, talked to him. You know, he alluded to this. Oh, he alluded to Brock. And obviously that meant, okay, Brock's coming in. And guess what he did? He came in. He got in the ring. F5 Bobby. F5 Austin Theory on top of Bobby. And walked and basically, you know, you know, allowed Theory to retain his title. And then what really got people talking afterwards is how quickly it went off the air because it even cut Corey Graves off to go to the season finale of this bar, what is it, this Farmageddon show that they were doing. You know, so, so yeah, basically, uh, <laughs> basically they left you off on a cliffhanger. And a lot of people actually praised it. A lot of people liked the fact that, yeah, it was abrupt and rushed, but it was done well. It was done well because now you're wondering, okay, what are they going to do on come Saturday? How's, is, you know, is now Brock going to be involved in the Rumble? You know, because if he showed up on Monday, is he going to show up at the Rumble? You know, is that going to be something? Or, or, or what? What's going to happen? We, we don't know. We don't know. So, overall, I thought Raw's 30 was, was good. Uh, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I finally got to sit back and finally watch a full Monday Night Raw for the first time. And who knows? Maybe I'll go back and watch, you know, more WWE again on a weekly basis. Not saying I will. But, you know, I wanted to check this one out because 30 years of Monday Night Raw, guys. That's, that's unbelievable. I mean, all, of all the moments they had, all the moments they've had throughout the history of the show, nothing, nothing, you know, nothing could ever ever how do I nothing could ever compare to some of the moments they put out there like everybody's talked about the Pillman got a gun moment you know CM Punk's pipe bar if you will his moment AJ Lee's pipe bar you know 
Uh, what else? You know, Mr. McMahon getting blown up. You know, Shelton Benjamin getting his head kicked off by Shawn Michaels. You know, Kane basically, um, Kane removing his mask after he lost to Triple H to Madison Square Garden. You know, Shane sending, you know, Kane for a ride. You know, right into the back of a, right, right into a semi-truck. You know, and everything. It's like all these moments. I mean, Kane trying to electrocute Shane's testicles. I mean, I mean, my good, I mean, the live sex celebration and everything. You know, between Edge and Lita, it's like, it's like there are moments after moments after moments. You know, Sean Waltman, one, two, three, kid, X-Pac, beating Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. Hulk Hogan appearing on Raw for the first, you know, first time ever, like in February or something like that, to build up to Mania. It, it is just, it is just amazing to look back at all these moments and various others that have happened throughout the years. Like I said, various others throughout the year, years, and not, and not get goosebumps. The various rock returns, you know, the the various DX returns, including the one that people would consider the best DX return in 2006. It's like moment after moment after moment cannot be topped. Mankind becoming WWF champion for the first time, and that being the night that basically the Monday Night Wars came to an end. Because Eric Bischoff got too cocky and he told Tony Schiavone, say this, you know, about what's going to happen over there. And guess what? It backfired. I mean, again, all these moments that you go back and you watch, you know, Raw on the Peacock, on WWE's Network's Peacock um, category or area. And yeah, there are some Raws and everything that are all omitted because of reasons. But, you know, most of them are there. Some things are changed up, some things are edited, whatever, because, again, reasons. But they are there. I mean, Undertaker crucifying you know, Austin on his symbol. I mean, the beer, the beer bath, the first beer bath that they did. I mean, you know, like many people have said, I could go on and on and on and on about moment after moment after moment. It is just... It's just unbelievable. It really is. It's just really unbelievable to to remember all this. I mean, Jr. being set on fire by Kane. You know, and and I think it was on Raw that Jr. brought out the fake Diesel and the fake Razor. You know, it's it's unreal. You know, Bret Hart getting into it with Vince McMahon if you will, on Raw. Like I said, Bret Hart getting in with it, getting into it with Vince McMahon on Raw. McMahon taking the first stunner by Austin. I mean, moment after moment after moment. It's like nothing could be talked about it. I mean, okay, how about this? 2006. Terry Funk McFold. That moment. When Terry Funk did that promo on Mick Foley, him and Mick Foley went back and forth, and Funk said the things about Foley's kids, like, your kids are bastards, your wife's a whole... I was like, oh, like, oh. it's like, oh my God. It's like, whoa. Whoa, and everything. I mean, even even the ECW invasion on the, on the Raw Before One Night Stand, at the end, it's like... It's like, these are moments that, you know, for me, as I've mentioned before, I've recorded onto DVD back when they happened. And I have them somewhere in my garage. Whose are still playable, which I hope they are. It's another story. But I have them. I have them on, mon- I have them on DVD. And like I said, we can relive them on the network too. Now, again, there are some things that are omitted. And I think I have some of those omittance, if you will. You know, for example, um, like I said, the Vince McMahon getting blown up deal and everything. You know, the week later, a week later, they were supposed to do a, um, a funeral segment. But then, of course, we all know what happened around that time. 
And instead, the visual of McMahon standing in the WWF ring, the Monday Night Raw ring, in an empty arena and addressing what happened. Basically saying that tonight people were supposed to be here to enjoy Monday Night Raw. But then addressing what occurred. Which is why they had to cancel the show. That's a visual I don't think any of us will ever forget. Despite the fact that WWE, you know, does not even want to acknowledge that that episode ever happened of Raw. They don't. They don't want to acknowledge it. But yet it did. It did. And again, it's something that I don't think any of us will ever forget. And for me, I'm one of those people that recorded it when it happened. It's just... It's just... Man, it's like... Just... Again, moments after moments after moments. And again, they showcased a lot of the more iconic moments that we, that WWE, that Raw became known for uh, throughout the years. You know, uh, through photographic, through photos that they would showcase throughout the night, played to the various themes that Monday Night Raw would have before, you know, to introduce the show when the show would begin. But again, overall, guys, I thought the show was good. I thought it was great. And again, I, and I might get back into watching Wrestling Weekly depending on my schedule. But let me know what you guys' thoughts are overall. Again, this is in two parts. I will put a playlist together for it. As well as I will also edit these two together later on for you guys to watch as a whole video and a whole podcast to listen to. But again, give me your thoughts overall. What did you think of Raw is 30? How did you feel about it? What, did you, what are your, some of your favorite Monday Night Raw memories? Besides the ones I've mentioned and others have mentioned, give me your thoughts below and in the live chat during the premiere. Like the video. Check out the Teespring store as well. And until next time, guys, also support me at Venmo at Brian-Walmart-2, Cash Up BW Roses 98 And until next time, guys, I will talk to you all later. God bless. Take care.